when you're comparing seven SOM to seven PRC to seven REM mag in a custom world, the seven mag will win. There's just more available horsepower in a seven mag than there is in a seven PRC. That's with all other things being equal. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Shoot the Hunt podcast. Uh, we got Ryan Avery and Jake Mushaney. Not Mushaney, Mushaney. Is that right? You're getting really good at it. Oh, I'm getting so much better. Before we start, we're about 10 episodes in, and I want you guys to head over and leave us a review if you like what we're doing. Starting this month, we're going to have a swag bag, and you said, what did Jake, you said a pro cert for a pro break? Yeah, we're going to do a, a certificate for any pro muzzle break of your choice once a month to one of our you know, reviewers from that month, I guess. Yep. So go leave it, leave it on. We'll check the, you know, probably the three main ones. We'll definitely check Apple, Podbean, and the, the Spotify. You can leave one there. So leave one. We'll find you. Um, you know, if you like what we're doing, leave one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leading the witness. All right. All right. This week, we're kind of shifting gears. We've been going through the rifle deconstructed. We're going to shift back to the rifle, de or sorry, the ammo deconstructed now. Um, if you go listen to the Avery Adventures early on, we did um, one on equipment, basically the equipment you need to reload. We did one on the process of how to reload, and we also had ADG brass on. So go check those out, and we will piggyback this, The end. well, sorry, we're jumping the ammo deconstructed over to the shoot to hunt. Yes. In a, in a nutshell. I it, think that was clear as mud. did really well there. Yeah, well, we Avery Ventures has them up, and we don't want to do. We thought about bringing those over and putting them up, but we can kind of uh, just restart this and then add to that. We may do a live. We may do a not maybe not live, yeah, we but we'll do, do. We could do a live video walking through the shop here at Unknown Munitions, and then do a complete start to finish loading of a, a piece of fired brass. Could be pretty cool. Now, like you said, fired brass, because I still think the questions I see the most is shoulder bump and full sizing versus neck sizing. Yeah, we'll do more on that. And then your that, your primer. I didn't know there was different depth in primers till I met you. Yes. And how it mattered and why it mattered. That's actually covered in the Avery Adventures ones, but we could go back and do it live. and Yeah, do some video on the new shop here. Yeah, and they could have people ask questions live. Yeah. We make Lukey fall around with the camera. If we were going to do that, how would we choose the questions and whatnot from the so we audience? could if we did it live, we'll tell them beforehand. We'll tell them the podcast before. We'll tell them on all the socials, and we'll just say, "Hey, we're going live on." It kind of be ecam live. It'd be on YouTube. Okay. Because I don't think Instagram plays with it. Very so nice. then, so then the guys that are listening want to be subscribers on YouTube to be a part of the live deal. Oh, good plug, good plug. Shoot to hunt. Go find it. You can't miss this. There is two shoot to hunt. But if you go, you'll see the emblem. Um, we're golden gray. Can't miss it. Go subscribe. Because we may be doing some live ammo loading type of stuff very quickly. Yes, I think that'll be a, that'll be gold. All right. So getting into ammo deconstructed. <clears throat> yeah. So there's several topics here that we have on our sheet. So just to review what you guys are going to learn today or that we'll try to help you understand a little bit. Um, this is kind of the next step after you've chosen your, your cartridge, it's your cartridge of choice for your next rifle build. And you've pretty much selected your bullet type and then it comes out. So maybe you're not on an exact bullet yet because the things we're going to talk about right now will influence which bullet you may end up choosing. Uh, we're going to cover, you know, different lengths of bullet, BC, ogive shapes, you know, your available magazine space, internal or external. Uh, how you custom throat a chamber, what does that mean, what is headspace, all these kind of things so that you can make the right choice uh, once you've you know already chosen your cartridge and you want to make sure that bullet's going to fit in your rifle. You don't want to be single feeding if you don't have to. Uh, so there's some things and some terms here that we're going we're gonna to go over. And we also have some listener questions that came in uh, to the podcast at shootout.com that we're going to answer. Yeah. That's the plan. I would also, <clears throat> before you listen to this, I'd stop here, go listen to number seven of the Shoot to Hunt podcast on the rifle deconstructed. It kind of 
will give you some kind of give you some influence on what we're going into now. Or that influence. I mean, I guess an overview of what we're going into now. It kind of builds the process of what you're looking at to buy to build a custom rifle, and now the ammo side's coming into it. It's kind of difficult to draw the line when you start talking about throating and freeborn headspace. It's difficult to draw the line between an ammo series and a rifle series. So this is kind of where the two merge together. Uh, so it will definitely cross over from one to the other. Um, if you are in the process of building a rifle with with a gunsmith somewhere, um, you know, covering dummy rounds and things like that, it, it definitely also has to do with your ammunition. So, so yeah. So we All just right. start off at the top here. After you've chosen your cartridge and bullet type. Yeah, so all the all the things to get it's really difficult to figure out where to start with that discussion. You know, once you've once you've chosen your bullet type, in other words, you know, if you're looking on YouTube here, we have Burger 215 hybrids, you know, of course. And some Acubon. I think these are these are 150 Acubon long ranges. Um now, if you don't have a ton of mag room, we're going to give a good example. You want to build a 300 WSM on a, sh a true short action. You are going to be limited by mag length one way or another on what bullet you can choose to shoot. In other words, you're not going to shoot a 215 hybrid in a 300 WSM cartridge in a, in a short action of today. Not fast. <clears throat> Well, even then, I think that the the O jive of the bullet, if you, if you try to make that fit into two nine fifty, the O jive of the bullet will actually be down inside the case neck. Uh, just a little side note on that: with you running a, if you're running a Wyatt box, is that the longest two nine fifty in a short action? That's a really good question. I think it's three inch. Three inches, and you still don't think you could slap that two fifteen in there? I want to say there's almost three two with it with a two fifteen hybrid in there. Really. You may be able to, let's just say you may be able to, right? But even if you can, it's going to be so close to where the bearing surface departs into the ogive there. Almost the ogive of the bullet is going to be nearly or inside of the case neck. That means that all the bulk of that bullet is down inside your case, which you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot for performance because that, all that bullet down inside the case is taking up valuable real estate where powder would sit, which means less performance. So ideally, with any short magnum cartridge that you might use for hunting, you really want to hang the biggest bullet the furthest way possible out of the case, which generally means you need more than a short action. Unless you have a Tika. Well, a Tika's not a short action. Goddamn right. It's an everything action. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually a good point with the Tika. So there are, when it comes down to what you can fit in your rifle, we're just going to look at the action by itself. If you were to have a short bat action, the load port, which is the the spot where the ammo comes up into the action from the bottom, uh, where your magazine, where it would come up through into the action, the load port on a bat short is actually 3180. So yeah. if you think about it, most magazines are going to limit you to that 2950, 2970 range. But really, you have a full two-tenths of an inch longer that the action could take. I'm actually bringing this up, so this will be the first time we'll talk about it, but we have a, a short Vesper in the works with that 3180 load port, and our short UM, DBM, and mag is going to be 3150 inside the mag is what we're thinking. This is a true short action. With a true short action magazine M5 footprint, we're going to have 3150 inside of a magazine. For reference, what's a medium? The XL length... On a medium, on a bat medium, is three four. The normal mediums out there, other than a bat, is three two fifty. So that small or that short is going to be damn near uh, the regular medium. The short is going to be fucking close to what a regular medium is today. And again, I think that'll be most guys. There are so many options out there in the world for a seven hundred short action footprint when it comes mm -hmm. to stocks and everything else that works in the rifle that. This is going to be, and I just confirmed this with Bat yesterday, which is why I'm talking about it. So that 3.180 is pretty much only going to fit your bottom metal and mag. Well, our bottom metal and mag will allow you to utilize the most, most potential, right? Like you can go smaller. You can't go bigger. In other words, if you measure, if if you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, what can I fit in my short action? You're going to go home. You got to pull your barreled action out of your stock or if you can get down in there one way or another, and physically measure the length of the port on the bottom of the action. That is the determining factor of what you can fit into the action. Hmm. 
most actions I think are not 3180 like a bat already is. Like if you have a short bat igniter right now, this bottom metal and mag that I'm talking about is going to bolt up to that. You're going to be able to fit 3150 in there. So literally you could probably shoot with that bad action in your bottom metal and mag. Yes. You can shoot a three for two, uh, 215. But why we're talking about that is because distance. as we're talking about this whole bullet choice deal, in that short action, a 300 WSM with a 215 would work. It would work fantastic. But that doesn't mean that's your setup. It only matters what your setup is. And a lot of guys are going to be in a spot where they may already have an action laying around or they're already, they're already, what do you want to call that? Dedicated to what they're doing, right. right? Like they only have this choice or this choice. If you already have a short custom action and you're trying to work with what you got, you don't have to have a certain mag and bottom metal. The mag and bottom metal is determined by the inlet in your stock and what your available load port length would be. Our unknown munition short bottom metal and mag may work on your action. You got to measure that load port. It's still going to fit an M5 footprint just like us. So we have short, medium, and long. Mm -hmm. And then within each of the short, medium, and long categories, we have an XL version, which is somewhere between 150 thou to 200 thou longer than everything else on the market. Okay. That, this is getting way off topic, but you know, like some of the actions you can run four inch yes. bottom for like a 300 ultra can, but you can also open up like a Remington action to fit a four inch. Could you take a, somebody else's short action and open that up, yes. the port up to that yes. 3.180? Yes. The determining factor would be where the bolt stop is placed. So when you go, when you go to pull the bolt all the way back, it stops against the bolt stop. That's part of your bolt release. Now, if the bolt stops before it would reach the end of the magazine when it was in position, it will not work because the bolt needs to grab the next round to push it forward. So yes, you can open up another action, but the guy who's going to open that up with a standard mill, very easy job to do, but this is not the guy that's going to be changing bolt stops. Some guys might be able to, uh, but really where that bolt stops will be the, the determining factor. Yes. All right. So, so moving back to your bullet choice for all these other, you know, basically for your magazine, your available magazine space, whether it's internal or external, uh, internal would be a, what, what you would call an ADL or a BDL, something like this. These are actually Remington terms. It's a hinged floor plate. So if you got to push a release and you got a floor plate that flips open with a spring attached to it, I just call that a hinge floor plate, internal mag whatever you want to refer to it as. But as we're talking about length, it's wherever that ammo would reside in your rifle, whether it be an external magazine that would drop out or it's an internal mag where you have a floor plate that drops down. When you're thinking through all of this, you need to know what your available mag room is. And you may not have a good sense of that if you're building a rifle with a gunsmith and you don't actually have components here to sit and measure. I mean, these are discussions that you need to have with your gunsmith. What bullet am I going to be able to shoot? all these good things. Just make sure that it's a good line of communication there. When we're building a rifle for a guy, we just, I literally just took a 33 XC build before walking in here. And you know, it was, I needed to make sure that he knew that was going to be single feet only because we're still going to put a bottom metal and mag on the rifle, but you know, you need to make sure they know it's 4.3 inches. You're not going to be feeding that from a magazine kind of situation. So if you're coming into a custom rifle build with a gunsmith and your plan is to shoot a 300 WSM with a 215 hybrid, and you have a short action, more than likely there's going to be some issues there. And maybe these issues won't be discovered until, you know, too far down the line and you can't make any changes. So, it, yeah. It's interesting to me on that is how many people have never thought about a bullet beforehand. Like I have never went to anybody to build me anything without a bullet in mind. It's very important. And it's really like as we're going through these whole series, you know, we started off the rifle deconstructed talking about pick a bullet and then work your way back because yep. the bullet really will determine a lot of what what's going on with your whole build. Just how many people come in so far and said, I have nothing. Tell me what to do. Not a lot of guys, but as we're as I'm trying to fill out a customer and figure out what their goals are, uh, these are these are my line of questioning, you know, and if they don't, a lot of guys are going to come in and they want to defer to your judgment being the so-called expert in what you're doing. Like they're coming to you for advice and they, they value your opinion. 
And, you know, every gunsmith, no matter what, whether they tell you they do or not, they're going to have some preferences on components, some preferences on cartridges or bullets or powders, and they may be trying to push you that way a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that all the time, but <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah. but it's an important part of the discussion. It needs to be a part of the discussion because if you want to shoot a 200 grain cutting edge laser at a 300 PRC, we got to know. You know, that's going to change. You can't plus P it at that point. So if we're trying to upsell you on a 300 PRC plus P, we do not want to plus P it in that situation. So bullet <laughs> choice is very clear. Um, all right. The next one will be, we kind of covered some, but bullet choice for length, BC, O-jive or O-give, depends on who you talk to, shape, etc. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to know about bullets. I always use the 212 ELDX, 220 ELDX comparison. Uh, 212 and a 220 are nearly the same length, even though one is much heavier. It has a lot more bearing surface on it. Uh, it's shorter and stubbier up front. You know, it can be seated further down inside the case uh, for a 300 rum application in a SAMI spec situation with a with a, a regular long action storage area. You know, a 220 is a better fit than a 212. Things like that. Um, but you can just make a slightly different choice with your bullet, whether that be weight or form factor, like the difference between an Acubon and an Acubon long range. Like if you don't have enough mag room, if you move off the long range into a standard Acubon, that's going to save you some room uh, with your loaded ammo if you don't have a lot to work with and you want to keep your weight up. <clears throat> yeah. This also like comes back to the rifle deconstructed of what do you want to do with that rifle and caliber yeah. cartridge? Do you yeah. want to shoot 300 yards? Are you shooting at elk? Do you want to shoot a thousand yards? You got to come up with your set of parameters in that bullet choice because you come out with a flat base bullet and you want to shoot seven, 800 yards. It's probably not the best choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're going to get out of this, what you put into it really. And of course, again, we do get the guys that come in and they just want to defer to your judgment. I've had guys walk in and say, I want you to do it your way. Like from nose to butt, this is kind of what I'm going to do with it, but you build it like it was yours. And, and we do that too. Um, but at that point, it's kind of important to manage expectations from the customer and kind of fill it out real good. But okay. So that's kind of enough of that. So, so internal or external available mag space, you know, know how much room you have on the load port in your action so that you can decide which bottom metal mag may, may apply to that situation. Yes. Um, on doing load dev, you have guys that will send in a bullet and they want a bullet to be shot and it's been chambered with a bullet that's longer, you know, to get to the lands that will actually fit in their mag and then you're like, well, do you want to single feed it or do you want to mag feed it? And yeah. most people that still this day and age want to mag feed it, but you have, you know, 250 thousands to their lands and you're like, well, I hope it shoots. <laughs> I hope it shoots. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a try. We'll give it a shot. But you got to figure that out beforehand. And can you kind of, can you kind of break that down in layman's terms, what I'm talking about? Basically, you got to know what bullet you're going to shoot if you're going to be able to fit it in your mag or if it's going to be loaded so far out it won't actually fit in the mag. It's mm -hmm. basically what I'm getting at. But what bullets are like terrible for that? Well, like you said, any any type of lathe turn solid is going to be mm -hmm. way longer than the, than the customer expects because they believe like a 200 and a 200 are going to be the same length, a 200 grain uh, burger hybrid target versus a 200 grain cutting edge laser. Well, the laser is much longer. And it actually has to be seated in an exact position because it's a bore rider style of bullet. They have a seal type band on there. Um, but really, really what this is coming down to is when you when you start to when you start to think about a cartridge and a bullet, you need to make a dummy round. A dummy round is kind of the start of the build if you really have a certain spec in mind. Uh, and we do dummy rounds for guys, uh, unknown munitions. You could jump on the website, order a dummy round in anything that we have in the shop, basically. If you wanted to shoot a 300 WSM with a 215 for max performance, we will line up the bearing surface boat tail datum with the neck shoulder datum, which would give you 100% bearing surface engagement of the bullet to the neck. And that would be kind of the max length that you would want to run. And then we can send that to you. You can give that to your gunsmith. Or you can just look at it and be like, huh, is that what I want to shoot? You know, and, and play around with a few dummy rounds before you before you make a decision. Um, order a few different bullets and a few different pieces of brass and, and go through them. Like I said, if you're stuck with a short action and you're trying to optimize 2950, we'll work with some different bullets in that 300 WSM, maybe 180 Acubon, 200 Acubon, 210 Acubon long range. If you order those three and see all the different lengths, you're really going to see, you know, what performance you can kind of get from a, from a given bullet. I already have the answer for them. 185 juggernauts. 
185 that's juggernaut. What I need. That's a good bullet. Please go next. Next question. <laughs> um, but really, so a dummy round is an invaluable tool that not a lot of guys have access to. So if you're not a loader and maybe your gunsmith doesn't even have a variety of components or bullets and you're, you know, you don't want to go buy a whole box of bullets just to see a dummy round. I think we charge 10 bucks, something like that. But it's really any brass with any bullet that we have in the shop. We'll load it to whatever length you want and send it to you. And then you can you can have a look at it and get a realistic idea of what you're about to build. Yeah. And if your gunsmith cannot, you know, put, do those, that chamber to match that dummy round, you probably need a new gunsmith. Yeah. If you get any pushback on some type of custom freebore or matching a dummy round, uh, we started talking about that a bit before the podcast. But we're, we're getting into now we're going to talk about. Uh, throating and free bore uh, reamers, throating reamers, and what that actually means from the gunsmith perspective, and then what you as a customer are asking them for. The best thing to do, like, don't try to put a number on your free bore. A free, the free bore is the area in front of the case mouth. Now we're talking about down in the chamber, down in your rifle. The area in front of the case mouth that is without rifling. That is your free bore. Free, literally meaning without rifling inside your bore, free bore. How long that free bore is will determine where your bullet's ogive will hit the lead into the rifling, into the lands. The lands is basically the beginning of the rifling. So you guys will hear the lands referred to often uh, touching the lands. Where is the bullet touching the lands? What length is it when it's touching the lands? So out in front of the free bore that is without rifling, there's an angle that starts, and this angle can vary depending on the cartridge or the reamer, but let's say it's a, a, a degree and a half. There's a degree and a half angle uh, that's leading into the rifling portion of the barrel. Now down inside the barrel, in down in the grooves, if you measure the diameter inside the barrel, it's going to be 0 0.308. But if you measure from land to land, in other words, the raised portion of the rifling inside the middle, it's going to be 300. So it'll be 308 down in the grooves and 300 in the middle, which means that on each side there's four thou. Four thou on each side that, that pushes into the bullet as it's going down the barrel so that it starts to spin it. And maybe I'm getting, maybe I'm going in a rabbit hole right now, but all right. So free bore, if you want a certain amount of free bore in your custom chamber chamber from your gunsmith, just supply them a dummy round and say, Hey, I want to shoot this. And I want that to be 20 thou off the lands the way it is right there. Mm -hmm. And depending on your gunsmith, they may have no throat reamers that they come across with a throating reamer afterwards or just a Sammy reamer with a throating reamer afterwards. But the throating reamer is long and skinny, and it only addresses the freebore. It is not a full chamber reamer. It doesn't have the full body of this cartridge on the reamer. You would first come in with a full regular reamer, and then you would come over the top of that afterwards, and you would throw out the freebore. You would make the freebore as long as it needed to be to match the dummy round that you have supplied. So if you have a very short-throated dummy round or a very long-throated, those the no-throat reamers, the process are probably going to do it. Yeah, really. So like all of our reamers here at Unknown Munitions, for the most part, are all SAMI spec reamers. The mm -hmm. majority of what we chamber for guys is SAMI spec. Uh, if you need a shorter than SAMI freebore, which can happen, then you couldn't use a SAMI reamer because you can't you can't put that metal back. You can't put that rifling can't glue back. It back in. Yeah, you can't glue that shit back in. You can't you can't replace the rifling that you removed with the Sammy Reamer if you need a shorter freebore than Sammy. Uh, and all these drawings are available. They're all in all the hand loading books. You can just Google even seven PRC will have a a chamber spec out there on the internet right now from Hornady. So you could look at what the freebore is there, and if you wanted to do something shorter, you know you can uh, you can just measure from there. It's freebore is funny to me because sometimes it. it it matters and sometimes it doesn't because if you're going to measure off the lands anyways and you set your gun upright to your magazine, you know, you have enough magazine internal space either way, it doesn't matter because you're going to hit the lands and you're going to back the bullet off, you know, for so far off. And yeah, well, we're talking about five up. thou one way or yeah. another, yeah. You're talking about you're hitting the lands and that's the measurement back from that to where 
I always see these free bore things and I'm like, well, are they all just shooting exactly like out of the box factory ammo? Is that where it's, what's going on? Or are they actually taking the time to measure it and try to get the best load for that rifle? A good example would be 6.5 PRC. 6.5 PRC with a SAMI spec reamer is a 0.188 inch free bore. 0.188. There are a lot of guys that made 0.130 free bore reamers, which would be custom because it's shorter than SAMI. They made these so that they could shoot a 156 and still fit it in a 2950 box. Short action. Yeah, so if you want to put a longer bullet and then try to fit it in a shorter area, that's when that free bore needed to shorten. And you do have to have a custom reamer in that application. You can't come in with a Sammy reamer with a one, well, point. When I say 188 free bore, that means 0.188 inches of area in front of the case mouth with no rifling. If you wanted a shorter one, you can't go back and put the rifling back. So you need to ask your gunsmith, do you have a no throat reamer or do you have a 130 throat reamer? But 6.5 PRC is a great example for that reason because guys are trying to shoot the the largest for caliber bullet in 6.5 but in a short action application. When they do that, how much speed do you think they're giving up? Because I always go, I always come at from the other side. I want the bullet as far out as I can with the most heavy for caliber bullet usually I can get in there and I want it for speed reasons. Does that, you know, shorten that free bore up like that? Does that oh, yeah. slow the speed down considerably? It's, it's not just shortening the free bore. So you know right off the bat that's 60 thou, 58 thou. It's 58 thousandths you already know you're taking away, but it's also that 156 bullet is much longer than a 147 and all that additional bullet length, you're putting it down inside your case. This may be the, you know, it could be 5%, right. 10%. And some of that, because you're just taking up, I already know, I'm trying to devil's advocate here. That's taking up room in the case for powder. Mm-hmm. That's, the way. Yep. That's your available horsepower is really what it comes down to. Whenever we talk about improved or any type of wildcatting or necking down, necking up, everything we're talking about really comes down to, and even comparing one cartridge to another. In the custom game, there are certain cartridges that have more inherent accuracy, definitely. But basically in the custom rifle, custom ammo game, you can make any cartridge do almost anything you want. And it all comes down to available horsepower. So when you're comparing 7 SOM to 7 PRC to 7 Rem Mag in a custom world, the seven mag will win. There's just more available horsepower in a seven mag than there is in a seven PRC. That's with all other things being equal. Same bullet, same custom gun, same custom ammo, same load development. Yeah. Blasphemy, I tell you. <laughs> I watched the Hornaday day marketing machine. All right. Let's touch a little bit on the, the uh, plus P throating too, because I still think that there's, yeah, there's people that don't know what the heck that is. Ever since we started doing it, we get lots of questions, lots of emails, lots of phone calls. Few just main points to remember. This is not for factory ammo guys. Plus P is not for factory ammo guys. If you cannot hand load to max performance after plus Ping, you will never see the benefit. Well, if you want to shoot slow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you will literally you once we plus P it, it will actually become slower. Yep. Your factory ammo will shoot slower. So first thing is custom ammo guys only. Second is it doesn't touch anything in the freebore area. In other words, we don't treat the area without rifling. We treat the area of rifling out in front of basically past the lead angle. We're treating the rifling in front of the freebore, in front of the throat. And load dev does matter because we had one that we had a 300 PRC shooting great. And then he decided after we got done that he wanted to plus P it. Yeah. And now it's kind of being a little problem child. So yeah. if you think you want to plus P it, let's do that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just Definitely. from the, the from the development side. Yeah. And the gunsmithing side. It's cheaper probably in the long run. Yeah. I mean, if you already have a load developed and you want to plus P, it's going to be another load development. And yeah, yep. sometimes depending on what you do, uh, the load development can be a little pickier or it's simply a matter of because... Maybe you don't have the available case capacity you thought you did, so now you might be going with a faster burning powder uh, or a different weight of bullet for whatever reason. You know, you're just rematching components up and getting the load development taken care of, but almost guaranteed you're going to need a different load. Okay, so let's take that 6.5 PRC. Mm-hmm. And you um, you said it's 188? 0.188 free bore, Sammy. And what was the short one? 130. 130? Say you plus peed that 130. 
you still think you're going to get 100 feet per second out of there because there's not a lot of room. That would be a time where you probably don't want to plus P it because it's already short. Yeah, you're going to be pushing that bullet. If you if the goal was a 156 burger here, yep. uh, that bullet is taking up a ton of case capacity. Bottom line for plus P, so that would be maybe a third data point, is you must have room in the case to add more powder or you will never get that full benefit of the plus P. Yeah, I think that's important for people to... Now, you can increase the burn rate of your powder. In other words, if you were using H1000, you could jump to H4831 shortcut, which would require less powder at a faster burn rate, and then that would give you more room for powder. Yes, because me and uh, Nick with uh, mm -hmm. 6UM, mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out a way because we it's about at the max with 570, which is the yeah. fastest non-plus peed powder for it. But I don't think we can get enough in there when we do the next one with plus P. And so actually Reloader 17 was the fastest powder we tested next. Really? And we can get a lot more of that in there. Yeah, exactly. So you stepped up burn rate. Yep. Now, just so you guys, so faster burn rate is not, powder burn rate is if I took two piles of gunpowder on the table right now and I hold a lighter to one and I hold a lighter to the other one which one burns away to nothing faster than the other one. So a slow burning powder doesn't mean it's slow velocity. It means it takes longer to burn away. Yes. And they traditionally do better with heavy for caliber, big magnums mm -hmm. to where you're faster, you know, your faster powder. If it's, you need to get it burnt quick, you know, that's an end volume because obviously if you go with reloader 17, we can put, so the max load for reloader 17, just for instance, in the six UM, is uh was 55 grains mm. the max the max for um 570 is 67 grains wow so that gives you a lot more powder room Not only that but the volume of the powder is important too and 570 are like fucking rice kernels so when those rice kernels are all stacked on top of each other there are there's a lot of empty space that's why I use the back of that sonic toothbrush and we vibrate the cases to help settle it but even after it's settled there's a lot of unused horsepower area because of the kernel type it's like Pyrodex pellets for muzzle loading. That's mm. how fucking big 570 is. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it takes up that volume. So if you think about it in the space wise, it doesn't compress as well as like a round ball or the, what's the other type of extruded? I can't think of the name of it, but they, they don't, there's a lot of air gaps even when you sonic down or drop yeah. to, but, but the 570, cause it's yeah. so big. Yeah. But and they're uh, kind of funky shapes too. They're never. Right. Perfectly yeah. cylinders. They're not. And, and then that's another point too, is the faster burning the powder is generally it's a smaller pellet of some kind, right? Like the yep. small, if you look at the powder and, and it looks just like ball, little fine dust almost, it's probably like pistol powder. Yeah. So there are ways like if the whole point of this was the, the plus P you got to have powder space, but there are ways to kind of cheat that mm -hmm. if, if you need to. If you're a loader again. So not, not for the load. everyday guy. You Gotta have load. to reload or have to come through somebody like unknown munitions if you're going to plus P something, mm -hmm. which I think. Yeah, we'll build you the rifle. We'll plus P it. We'll do the load development. We'll load your ammo, you know, start to finish. You wouldn't have to do anything at that point. On that note, <laughs> we have a lot of fucking caveats in this one. <laughs> the pricing, because I've seen that a couple times on Rockslide. What is the price? If I send you a gun and I want a 300 PRC plus P, what is the pricing? 215 bucks, and that includes... We will laser engrave the plus P logo at the end of your cartridge on your barrel, or we'll laser engrave whatever you want at that point. I have a 300 PRC already chambered up. Can I send it to you? How much does that cost? Same price. Same price. 215 bucks, no matter what. It could be during a rifle build, a fully built rifle, a factory rifle. It doesn't matter. It's 215 bucks. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. RFFL is available for download on the website. You can make the product purchase on the website. You can print our FFL. You can see the shipping address and send your rifle in with your receipt. And we will plus P it, turn it in two weeks and ship it back to you. All right. Is there anything we missed on the headspace throating or plus P in? Yeah, really. So just, uh, you know, if you, I'll just, I always try to put myself in the listeners and the customers and the rifle builder shoes. And if you're, if you're in the custom rifle, you're in the market for a rifle right now, and you want to have an educated discussion with your gunsmith about what your goals are. Know what headspace is. Know what throating is if you're looking for something custom. If you don't know what you're looking for, you know, lean on that guy. Hopefully they're, they've been around a bit. They've been doing it a while. Lean on your gunsmith for advice and, you know. Yeah, and, and on the gunsmithing side, 
if you want to shoot 800 yards, do a little research and go find a guy that has built guns for other people that are shooting 800 to 1,000 yards or whatever your goals are. Because there's a lot of gunsmiths that are, you know, they're the fuddy type. They still believe the 270 is the greatest, no brake, no muzzle, you know, no compre- no yeah. suppressor. They just want a old model 70 chambered up 270 to shoot, you know, yeah. out in their backyard at deer. You want to find a guy like Unknown Munitions, like Dallas Defensive Lane. Edge, like Dallas Lane, like Cutting Edge, or not Cutting Edge, sorry, um, Red Rock Precision. You want guys that are actually doing those kind of rifles for other people, and it's the, easy to find. They're hunting rifle builders, and generally they're building towards max performance yes. in whatever cartridge it might be. These guys are building big hitting rifles. You know, if you're going to build a 33 XC, there are a lot of things to learn after building your first one because shit breaks. You realize pretty quick how high recoil and big horsepower cartridges will test a rifle in different ways. And if you're not, you know, if you're getting your rifle, your hunting rifle, your 33 XC built by a guy who builds all competition PRS stuff and six dasher, he may not know all of those ins and outs. So definitely find somebody that that kind of goes with what you're looking for, with what your goals are. And Dallas is a great hunting rifle builder. Uh, Matt Whaley, Whaley Precision Rifles. He's retired. Oh, he's retired. <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> Hope for, hopefully you're ready to build some rifles, Whaley. Yeah, so you figure out what you want to do and then go find that gunsmith. Because I see it over and over again on Rockside. They set it to such and such and such and such didn't do what they wanted. Well... That's not always on the gunsmith. This is what we're trying to alleviate, you know, with the dummy round, your bullet choice. So take what we're saying to heart. Go do your research on a gunsmith. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to do all my own research and be edu- as educated as possible if I'm going to go into something I don't know anything about. Because if you're going to come in here and you're going to spend 6000 bucks on a rifle, like I, I want to know what I'm – at least a little bit to know that I'm not being – you know, not having the wool pulled over my eyes well, and – to me, if you're going to go this route, you're going to need to put forth the effort to learn how to shoot the rifle properly out to that distance. So you should be far enough into it research-wise. That's what blows me away about you saying that people will come in and say, I don't know, what should I do? Mm-hmm. To where I, have I ever come to, every time I come to you or Whaley or I went to Defensive Edge, I'd say, this is what I want to shoot. Make it happen. You, I want to shoot this bullet. You are a unique creature. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's. I don't think I'm that different from... I mean, I, I am pretty educated on what I want to see, and I've shot a lot of animals well, at long you, range. You live and breathe hunting, basically, so you know what you want to do on the animal. I do, but I think that people, the animal deserves that the person do enough research that when he walks into a gunsmith or he calls a gunsmith, he has enough education to know what he wants as an end result. And because if, if let's say you're going to build a 30, uh, let's say not a 33 XC, that's kind of a specialty, but you're going to build the 300 PRC, probably the most popular gun coming in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That gun is capable of shooting well past 99% of the people walking in's capabilities. Mm. So to me, that's kind of asinine. This kind of just a soapbox that you're not going to put in the research. You just want Jake to build you this awesome rifle. And then you're going to go out and shoot it at 400 yards at the range. And then you're going to go out and see an elk at 800. And you're not going to take the time to validate that rifle 800. And you're just going to take pop shots at this elk, in my opinion. And I see it happen over and over again. So to me, this, you should put forth the effort. To listen, to, you know, not only to what we're saying, but f- go out on Rockslide, go out and listen to what other people are saying, and then make an educated purchase. Mm-hmm. We actually have on here, we got rifled open drag models. We could talk about that for a second. Yeah, I'm kind of ranting, so we better do something. But first, yeah. I wanted to, this is your words. It says, this is Jake's words. I hate the word ballistics. Oh, shit. Okay. Mainstream marketing. What, what was that about? Well, because, okay, guys, I'll have a guy DM me on Instagram. And they'll say, what do you think about that new 7PRC? The ballistics look great. <laughs> and and when he says that, it's because some FUD was comparing it to 7 Remmeg. Comparing a 150 grain Acubond to a 180 ELDM in downrange performance. And when it comes again to custom rifles and custom ammo... 7PRC cannot do what 7 Rem Meg can. It just has more horsepower. There's nothing about that that's going to make it bigger, badder, and stronger than a 7 Rem Mag if you control all of the variables. It just doesn't have the case capacity. So I hate the word ballistics because I feel like the guy that uses that word first doesn't understand that there's internal, external, terminal, 
there's all kinds of different ballistics. Now, which ones are we talking about, first of all? Um, but they're just talking about bullet performance downrange, basically, because that's how all of the big Hornady's are, manu- are, are, are marketing to yes. all the hunters out there. And I, I want the guys to be educated. That's exactly what I was saying before. Yeah. If you're going to shoot at that animal, you should, you had better taken that many shots in practice, hundreds of shots in practice at that range. Yeah. So ballistic, you're right. Ballistics is a term that uh, is overused and Hornaday is ruling that marketing right now. They are. And, and, and we're such a small percentage. The, the custom side is such a small percentage of the production rifle and factory ammo game or maybe 5%. 10% of the hunting population that doesn't have a Tika or a Remington 700 or a Weatherby, whatever it might be, or such a small percentage. And, uh, it's not for everybody. It's not, there's a lot of things to learn and get it. It's like any other hobby that a guy might get into. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to get into drag car racing, that would be a long learning process, you know, to get to the level where you can go compete with John force. You know, it's not, that's not what we're, we're kind of on the, the far end of that. Like, like, like we would be the John force. You know, so coming yeah. from shooting a Tika with some box ammo from Cabela's, there's a long way to go and a lot of terms and things to learn and mistakes that could be made along the way. Um, yeah, so that word ballistics really is just a marketing term. And when you ask about ballistics, you, you it's a very general term. You're going to get to ask about something specifically. Like Ryan is all about bullet performance on animals. So if you ask Ryan about terminal ballistics between a 168 VLD hunter and a 215 hybrid target. We could start talking about that, you know, how the bullet kills an animal. External ballistics would be basically comparing BCs and how the the bullet flies through the air. Internal ballistics is what happens from the time you pull the trigger to the time the bullet leaves the muzzle on the rifle. Now, which one are we talking about? Most guys are referring to external ballistics and downrange performance, not how it kills the animal or not how it leaves the rifle. You know, it's the middle area that they're comparing. So if you compare a seven rem mag with a donkey ass bullet, like a 150 Acubond against the brand new seven PRC with a super, super high BC 180 ELDM, of course the ballistics look great, but I can put the same bullet in a seven rem mag in a custom rifle with custom ammo and load development. And if the 180 ELDM goes faster out of that rifle than it did out of the seven PRC, it has better ballistics. So that word, anyways, that's why I hate the word. Yeah, those are cherry picking, and that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll take the worst of one against the best of the other, and they'll be saying, look what I did. And you're like, that is not apples to fucking apples. On Rock's, this is kind of a, another caveat, but on Rock's side yesterday, somebody was wanted to verse the 30-06 versus the 6.5 Creedmoor, and they took the two shittiest bullets, a 150 uh TTSX against, I think it's a 120. Well, it's already not a TTSX. fucking comparison because a 30 out six is a long action. Yeah. And a 65 Creed is a short action. <laughs> that was brought up. If you look at the volume, it's like comparing the 30 out six to a 33 nozzle or something yeah, like that. Not even fucking close. So people have this weird, weird, I don't know why. And there's a couple of guys on YouTube that really do it to the extreme. Not only do they use clickbait, which I fucking hate, they also use apples versus oranges. And it's, and, but people eat it up. Because the big marketing machine at Hornaday does it all the time. Yeah. That's back to the ballistics. Now, yeah. it is yeah. fun to compare cartridges. We it do is. it. We do it. And I guess it's the it's the it's the different perspective. When you don't have to rely on factory ammo and you can make a custom chamber and a custom rifle, a lot of things go out the window. Right. Yeah. And and like I said before, it's you're the nuts and bolts of this outfit. I am like the guy swinging for the fences over here, like just throwing in random bullshit. Mm-hmm. But half this stuff doesn't matter, but it does. It, the ballistic, the terminal ballistics to me is what matters the most. And this goes back to finding the bullet that does the best at the terminal velocity that you're, the terminal performance that you're going to find at whatever distance you want to shoot. So if you're going to be 400 yards, what does that matter? You already discussed it. Anything inside in under 500 yards doesn't matter it at doesn't all. doesn't matter. Past 500 yards, it starts to matter. So you got to start matching bullets with that velocity impact. So not only that, there's a flip side to it. And the reason that I like match bullets or what do you say? Cup over core bullets. Cup over lead core. Cup over lead core is you can, they're the best in my opinion. This is me talking from zero yards to as far as I can shoot them to where if you take a bonded or a mono bullet, they get, they're very hard. That's what their job is. Their job is to penetrate. They have restrictions. Yeah. So when you pass that 500 yards, 
you're going to get a very small permanent wound channel that it's really deep, probably will exit, but you're going to have a two or three inch form would yell at me because I don't know the exact inches, but you're going to have one, two or three inches, maybe, mm. maybe a permanent wound cavity. So we got off topic again. Well, you got to fucking quit doing that, Jake. Okay. Uh, so rifle dope and drag models, uh, there's, you know, you can get to do a big argument about G1, G7 custom, and then personal. These are the four types of drag models that, that I'm most familiar with. Uh, G1 is what most people use just because of habit or prior experience, whatever it might be. Uh, G1 form factor is like a nine mil bullet flat base. G7 form factor, which is basically there's a, in order to compare one bullet to another, they have to have a, a standard that you're comparing them to. The standard that bullets are compared to in G1 is a flat base bullet. The standard that G7 BCs are compared to is a boat tail bullet, more like what we shoot today. Uh, custom or a, an applied ballistics drag model is basically a custom drag model, not with a specific uh, standard, but it's been Doppler measured across a long distance, and they come up with their exact the exact path of the bullet in space. Yeah. I've I've uh, personally never seen a difference to a thousand yards even using either one. A G one to G seven. Yeah, really. If you have a good, like say a burger who has, I think, great VCs on their box. I have not seen, I haven't seen a difference. Have yeah, you? burger and applied ballistics kind of go hand in hand because, yep. as I understand it, because Brian Litz is the ballistician for burger. Uh, so they have quite the system to accurately measure BCs. So an applied ballistics custom drag model is, very, is basically what burgers drag models are. So following, uh, I would personally put the G7 in before anything else for a couple reasons. If you... Now, if you don't understand what's happening, you should never alter a BC. But sometimes when you go out and you start to shoot your rifle, either a BC or a velocity doesn't match up properly to what you see downrange, and you make adjustments, and that's what rifle dope is, is, is accurate dope on target. Data on previous engagement is that what it stands for. So when you uh, when you finally get this load put together and you guys go out to shoot, um, if your results on target are not what your calculator is telling you, there needs to be some adjustments made. Uh, whether that be BC velocity, I put down here temp calibration too. I like to do that. Um, but like on the, I don't know how to say this intelligently. Why outside of like a 300 Terminator, which was going like 3,300 feet per second. Mm. And I had to, the BC was better than the burger box. Does it, in your opinion, have you seen a difference between the G1 and the G7? From like a box of a known ballistic BC, like on a burger box. And that does have it. So as I understand it, the the BC of a burger bullet is an average mm -hmm. from 2,800 to 3,000. I think so. I think it's 29 to 3. I think it's 28 to 3. Either way, let's just say that it's an average yeah. of, of a certain 100 feet, 200 feet per second range that most of the cartridges shooting that bullet fall into. Yes. Now, like in your situation, if you're 200 feet per second over 3,000, you're 3,200 feet a second, well, you could, by deduction, assume that the BC will be better than the box because they averaged it, it from 2,800 to 3,000. So in that situation, which is a great point, if you if we're rocking a 33XC with a 300 grainer going 3,200 feet a second and we go out to the range, and now when the BC is better, are you higher or lower than your target? What's that? You're going to be higher. Yeah. So if you're shooting over a target at a thousand yards mm -hmm. with your given information, that means that your BC is better. Yep. On the two fifteens, I don't know what the actual box was, but when I was running those terminators, I was running them at three or seven thirty five G one. Seven thirty five. And they were they're like seven nineteen. Six ninety one. Or six ninety one. Yeah. So it was higher. And people say, "Oh, that was." And it, I could have been wrong, but that's what it validated at. Mm -hmm. To where when I was thirty nosler. 300 win, I was running. It, they changed the box a little bit because it was like 719, the old yeah. day, 716. Yeah. So by the time when I was doing it, it was like 735 is what I had raised it to. But caveat to that, the 6UM with the, the 115 DTAC nose ringed, mm -hmm. I'm running that at 6 at 33. So it's lower. So I don't, 
It's, there is a little voodoo in there when you start going fast. If you talk to like Aaron Davidson from Gunworks, he says he hates going fast because you see some weird shit in ballistics. Yeah. So there, there is a little, little voodoo to it. Yeah, a lot of guys will say weird things happen out over thirty two hundred feet a second. Basically, that should be kind of your roof, your ceiling. But but again, so going back, once you get to the range and you're trying to figure out some dope on your rifle, if your Burger or Hornady bullet is going faster than three thousand, much faster, then odds are that your BC will improve. So. Mm-hmm. If you and, and the goal with dope is to shoot as far as you can, as far as close to the transonic range of flight as possible. So once that bullet's going to hit the speed of sound, whatever your bullet going, what your velocity is, you can estimate that. Shooting as close to that bullet velocity as you can towards the transonic range is where you want to dial your rifle in, where you want to make those adjustments. So if you're shooting a, a 215 hybrid at 3,200 feet a second, then you may start with a BC adjustment to get on target, but that's not for everybody. Don't just start adjusting BC. If you don't know what you're doing or you're in the average range of bullet speed, don't start with a BC adjust velocity first. Yes. And we only brought this up because it can be there. All the sniper typers out there, and I'm not, I'm not a fucking expert by any means. I just know that when we go to dope rifles in, like we, we spend a lot of time building a rifle and then doing load development in-house and then taking that out and validating it for a customer. So we have a good idea if you if you get out there and you're just everything past six or 700 yards is just off. You know, there needs to be some work in there. And, and that's your job as a hunter with a new rifle or any rifle is to get out there and practice and don't let the first time you see an elk at 800 yards be your first 800-yard shot. Definitely not. You should be practicing at 1,500 if you want to shoot that elk at 800, you need to know what your rifle is going to do. Yeah. I need to validate multiple times and then you got you're going to kind of get a, sometimes it's going to be a little high. Sometimes, you know, when you start shooting eight, 9,000 yards, sometimes it's going to be a little low. There's, there's a lot of outside environmental factors going on there. So you need to do it. It always makes me a little leery if I only can validate one time to where I want to shoot hundreds you're fucking, of rounds. You're out validating before every fucking hunt. I swear you go out for a hunt one week with a fresh box of ammo and then by the time you're done validating, you go out there, you're coming back for more ammo for the next hunt three weeks later, and then you're out validating again. And that's really what a good hunter should be doing. Like a, we have kind of some, uh, what do you call it when you want to wear like the same type of underwear because it was good luck or, or what do you call that? The superstitious. Oh, superstitious. Yeah, yeah. So so Ryan <laughs> and, and and myself too, we're kind of superstitious. Of the, like I don't like old ammo. You don't mind old ammo. Uh-uh. I don't. I only have two hunting rifles, mm. and. You know, like we may load up 50 rounds, go check zero, take a long shot, and then we might go hunt, but some of them fell out in the fucking truck or so a couple of them rolled in the dirt or one looked at me wrong and all of a sudden I can't shoot that fucking ammo anymore. So it goes out for fun shooting for practice and then we load up some fresh and... And, and then, of course, I have, you know, a keg of N570 that says Jake's 33XC on it and, mm-hmm. the, and a big box, big <laughs> rack of bullets. They're all the same lot and all that kind of shit. But... You know, there's a, once you get a rifle dialed in, I, I like to go out. You, you never want to blame the rifle. If you miss, you want to know it wasn't the rifle. So you're going out and checking right before a hunt. And yeah, yeah well, I mean, it goes back to like what, when we had Sean Carlock on, he went, when he breaks that trigger, he wants to be 99.9% sure. There is no hundred percent, you know, even with a 10 yard shot. Mm-hmm. He goes, the 99.9% chance he's killing that animal. Mm-hmm. And it just, it gets, eats at, I don't have OCD on 99% of the things in my life. Jake can attest to this. I'm a procrastinator. I'm freaking always late. But when it comes to validating rifles, I want it to be money. And it irks me if I can't do it multiple times, multiple validations on that rifle. It could be one day after another. I know guys too that'll go out, they'll be checking their zero, right? They'll go out every morning. At first light for that cold shot right before hunting season, they'll go out and they'll shoot one round. And then they go back out the next morning and shoot one round and just make sure that that round is... All the is, cold bore stuff's on. Yeah, that everything is is tight. Well, if there's nothing getting shot, I'm not getting up early. So I'm not out there at first light, but I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, temperature calibration, velocity, and BC adjustment. We kind of covered that already. Yeah. Oh, so in a, in a Kestrel 5700 Elite or in probably some other ballistic solvers too, you can uh, tell guys this, take take a cooler. So you have a final load. You're going to go start hunting. Take five rounds, put it in a in an ice box, put it in a, bring a little freezer pack of some kind and have ice in there. Have those rounds of ammunition at 32 Fahrenheit. And then 
take a backpacking koozie with some 18-hour hot hands, put a few of them in there, and you can get that to about 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Put five rounds in there or three rounds. Do three and three. Take these to the range with you with a laser temp gun. You can get on Amazon for 25 bucks. Measure the temperature of the ammo and then immediately shoot it and average out those 32 degrees and then average out those 105s and see what your temp range is on your load. It could be if it's 75 feet per second from 32 to 105, then you want to use that in your ballistic calculation. I mean, that's a huge swing. Uh, Now, if you know that you're going to go shoot at 50 degrees Fahrenheit and you have a 50 degree Fahrenheit velocity that you're that you're confident in then yeah you don't need to do all that but you can plug these temperature calibrations into your kestrel and depending on what temperature the kestrel is reading it will factor that difference in velocity into your final solution that's just one more way uh to be guys always talk about i want a temp stable powder i want a temp stable powder and yes you do but if you're going to go hunt in hawaii that's 75 degrees when you wake up and 75 degrees when you go to bed and 75 degrees all fucking day long you really don't need a temp stable powder Right, And if you know what the temp is at 60 Fahrenheit and you're going to go hunt in 60 Fahrenheit, you don't need a temp stable powder. It's the guys that hunt in shoulder seasons that may shoot an animal at 30 degrees in the morning, and it might be 70 or 75 or 80 in the afternoon. That's when you start concerning yourself with that 50-degree Fahrenheit swing that you want to know what is your velocity doing across those 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So I just wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I used to say that never happened, but like when we were hunting – Central Idaho this year, it was happening there. Yeah, in the Selway. Yeah, we were hunting in September. Plus, that was a big velocity or big uh, altitude changes too. If you're if you're hiking four thousand feet, you know mm-hmm. there will be a temp difference from the bottom to the top. But one day it was like seventy two, and then one day it was almost below freezing. So yeah. you were seeing it, and uh, but you you can also like say you're just hunting deer in October, November. You could probably just put in thirty five degrees and probably be okay from ninety nine percent of your shooting. Yeah. So yeah. We did uh we did some powder temp stability testing early on in the business and I remember Rotumbo was the 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 leader way out in the front of the pack and it was point one feet per second per degree Fahrenheit. That would mean that across fifty degrees Fahrenheit there was only a five feet per second difference. That's Rotumbo? Rotumbo. Wow. It was phenomenal. And that that stood mm-hmm. way out in front of the the next closest one was like one foot per second. This really? was point one. Interesting. Yeah, we could do some more testing like that too for because everybody, you know, everybody jumps on uh, for powder sensitivity. The H one thousand is really good. Forty three H forty three fifty is really good. Any extreme series powder from Hodgen is all made in the same place, and th- their formulation is fantastic. And Rotumbo is one of those. Seventy eight twenty eight is not one of those. It's not, but it's also not an extreme. It doesn't say extreme on it. RL twenty six is not one of those. <laughs> we should do though. RL twenty six. I got. I'm sure if you jumped on Rockside and typed in RL26 stability, there'd probably be guys leaning one way or the other. Oh, it's done everything for me, and it's it's been great. And Well, dudes love speed, so they give it a little benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because Reload 26 is like 570. It's going to give you speed. Oh, yeah. But, but, that's it. but you can do, we just described a way for you to do this test on your own. You don't have to take somebody's word for it. Always, you know, we don't like to really, we don't really like to take people's word for shit. We like to test stuff. No, that's the reason why I went from shooting a 33 XC last year to sitting a six, shooting a six millimeter. Yeah. So I want to see for myself what uh-huh. happens. Like is bigger really better? Yep. Um, I have wrote it, written and down here, um, the reamer doesn't make your rifle rifle shoot well. What? A, <laughs> yeah, somebody, uh, so we were talking a little bit beforehand and the topic was brought up. Oh, I have this. I have this custom, I had a custom reamer made and oh man, does that reamer shoot well? Well, it's not really the reamer that's making anything shoot well. If the reamer matches a really good load that may shoot really well across a variety of rifles, then yeah, that'd be a fantastic reamer spec. For example, if if you wanted to shoot a 6.5 PRC with a 140 Burger Elite Hunter, well, you would need that shorter freebore like that 130 that we described in order to make that, uh, let's say, high performance. And if that 140 Elite Hunter load is really good with N565 and it's just hammering and it hammers in a bunch of rifles and you have a reamer spec set up exactly for that round, then it's still not the reamer that shoots well. It's the it's the load, but the reamer spec matches the, the load really well. Hey, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't give – I tell Jake this all the time. I 
am not a gunsmith. I am not a gun builder. Don't give a shit about that side. I just want the end result to kill animals. And that's why Jake is here. Cause he's the, he, Jake's a nerd. He's I am a nerd. A, he's a nuts and bolts engineer side of it. And I'm just here, like I said, for the wacky questions, but we have a question and we kind of covered it, but we'll just hit on it real quick. Um, Carl, I'm going to mess up your last name. I think it's Carl Weeby. Don't know for sure, but basically he's asking, could you dive into custom chambers, mainly freebore and how to know how much you need, want, and why it all matters? So bottom line is you want your freebore to match your ideal dummy round. So the specific amount of freebore applies very specifically to the bullet you choose in your cartridge. And the best way to do this, like we went over, is if you're, again, in the process of building a custom rifle, have somebody make you a dummy round with exactly the bullet you want and let the gunsmith take care of the free bore himself. So don't try to get an exact measurement for him. If you walk in here to unknown and you tell me that you want to shoot a 215 and a 300 WSM and I want exactly .214 free bore, we might nod at you. And say, okay, no problem. But then we're going to go build a dummy <laughs> round with exactly where the bullet should be. And we're going to make it match that dummy round. Yeah. Fair enough. That probably, yeah. And, and, and it matters. The other part of that question was, why does it matter? Well, it matters because without the right, without the matching amount of free bore for the optimal arrangement in your ammunition, you know, the optimal bullet seating depth in your cartridge, uh, you're not going to get the most performance. That's really why it matters. If you want the most performance out of your custom rifle, custom chamber, uh, the freebore needs to be right. What, what freebore I think gets confused a lot of time because of the Weatherby stuff. But so Weatherby has a shit ton of freebore mm-hmm. built into their Sammy spec cartridges. In other words, a seven rim mag and a 300 wind mag have horrible Sammy specs. Horrible, which is why the 7 PRC and the 300 PRC can outshine them because of the original spec that factory ammo has to be built to. Weatherby came out and decided that he wanted a massive freebore to build basically high-performance factory ammunition. And in order to do that, it had to have a long freebore to hang bullets out for the most powder. So they are known for for a massive amount of freebore. Mm-hmm. Again, freebore is the area in front of the case mouth without rifling. And you'll hear the term throat. Throat, to me, describes the entire area in front of the case mouth. That would include the lead angle into the rifling. Uh, but the individual part we're talking about is the freebore. Yeah, I don't think we can slice it up any easier. Yeah. And then you put throw in the plus P and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Well, on Carl sent in a good dad joke because, you know, I said I like a good dad uh, joke. Nice. So, Jake... Yes. Why don't you ever see elephants hiding in trees? Elephants hiding in trees. I don't know. Hit me. Because they're fucking good at it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Carl. That's a, that's a really good one. That is, Carl. Hey, yeah. thanks. If you do have any good dad jokes, send them in. Yeah, we like dad jokes. Hey, we were talking to, we should mention, we started, uh, you know, we had this whole deconstructed shit going on everywhere, but we're going to start, we're going to start talking gear deconstructed too, right? So we're going to. We're going to get Ryan. Now it's my turn to question him. And I want to hear all his fucking expert advice because believe it, I have a bunch of gear already. You know, Ryan has probably given me the most hunting advice out of anybody I know. So I, uh, I value his opinions on gear because he is a guy, maybe like we do with rifles and animal, he, and ammo, he fucking tests his shit to the, to the, to the limits. So we're going to start, uh, some type of gear deconstructed series. We, you know, we'll do tops, bottoms, Yep. Water, backpacks, anything, any topic. So if you guys have questions of, on those type of topics, we'll kind of interlace all of these different series together, kind of, you know, one one episode at a time and and get that started too. So I'm, yep. exci- we'll I'm excited f- about that. We'll have a few. Uh, we'll do mine. Like we're going to get ready to go bear hunting. So nice. we'll, we'll do like, I don't know why the gear, well, gear drops are so damn, people love them. I like them. I don't like I don't. It's because the rifle and ammo stuff is easy. I want to say I like the gear stuff. Oh, they, I mean, I like gear. It's just those gear dumps are because I think it's such an individual thing. Yeah. Like I am not going to take for the most part. We'll we'll be similar, right? Because we're going to need clothes and we're going to need layers and we're going to try to fight moisture. But we're gonna 
have differences of opinion. Like you never see me with full Sitka or full first light because there's individual pieces that are better. Yeah. So it's always, to me, it's like, yeah, there's, you're going to have a backpack, you're going to have boots, but it's like, it's so specialized to the individual. To me, it's like, I mean, you don't have pointless. to be matchy matchy. No, like, I don't know if people knew that, but you don't <laughs> have to match. And chances are, if you are picking the best of each, you're going to have a better system to manage moisture. So we're going to talk about this shit. We don't have no sponsors. We don't have no shit. We don't have nobody to please. And well, we got and guys that actually test gear. And Ryan has Rockside, which is the the mecca of gear testing anyway. So we're going to get to hear all that good shit. Yeah, we'll get some, and we'll, and we'll get some other people on that are professional. Get, get some experts lined up. Yep. Um, like I said at the beginning, please go leave us a review. We're going to start giving away some breaks. We're going to start giving away some swag. And uh, if you have any questions for me or Jake on anything else, you can go to podcast at shoottohunt.com. Go follow us on Instagram at shoot to hunt. And also I'm asking a lot here, but go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Cause we are going to start doing some live, uh, ammo something cause podcasts are cool, long form. You're driving around, but we are going to do some technical stuff that you're going to have to watch on yeah. a video. Yeah. Anything else or that's it. I'm excited about the gear stuff. I have to, I'm like a little, little nerd right now. Dude, I love it. that's, I say, I don't like the nuts and bolts of putting stuff together, but I love I love gear in general, and I obviously I like rifles and bullets, but it's, yeah, it's what keeps you up at I'm night. I'm going to start writing all the, the syllabus for that. You got to see Jake's notes. I'm going to start taking pictures. It's, it's, they magic, this is why I love Jake. I come in and there's magically fucking notes in front of me. Fucking rooms all set up, <laughs> fucking chairs moved out with his, his fucking sugar-free Red Bull sitting there, like, like roll out the red carpet. Here comes Ryan. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> I am a fucking train wreck. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. 